What's up, everyone? My name is Gregory Pitts, and welcome to episode number three of the You Can't Tell Me How to Live podcast. I'm really thankful for anyone who's listening today, and I really appreciate you taking your time. If there's anyone listening, uh, it's just really an honor to have anybody spend time putting your voice into their ears, so thank you a lot. If this is your first time listening, then this is the story of me going from a salaried worker to a full-time entrepreneur and helping you to do the same exact thing along the way. Today I'm going to be talking about uncertainty, how I define it, why you need uncertainty in your life to be an entrepreneur, and then I'm going to give you some step-by-step instructions on how you can go and engineer some uncertainty into your life. I'm going to start out with the mental brief. I started this last week. This is just a five-minute kind of summary of the things that really stood out to me over the past week. The first one is to just get started. I'm so happy that I actually started the podcast. So I know that it's absolutely terrible and that the first few episodes are just gonna be god awful. But just the fact that I got started is giving me a lot of confidence. So I wanna talk about a little example here. This week I went to a website of a podcast that I've been following for a long time and on that website they have a lead magnet that's just basically a PDF that you can download and it's like how to start a podcast checklist cheat sheet, the podcast cheat sheet. It's called, it's a 14 page packet and it's got a whole bunch of blanks you can fill out and boxes to check off and all these things. You know, they have recommendations for the microphone and all of this stuff. So I printed this out and in the past, I wouldn't have done anything until I checked off all of the boxes and until I filled out all of the blanks, until I bought all of the equipment And what I'm starting to realize is that that's not really how to operate. So this is really more of a guide list and eventually I would hope to check off all the boxes. Eventually I hope that every single thing that he's recommending that I'm doing in order to create a great podcast. But if you try to check all the boxes, if you try to go to a website and someone says, this is how you start business X, and then you don't actually start business X, until you follow that exact process, then you're never gonna start. Like I would have just been exhausted by the time I figured out how to do all 14 pages of this stuff, I just wouldn't have even made an episode. I I never would have gotten to the end of all that because it's too hard to do all of that stuff without actually making the podcast. So that's kind of the first thing is just get started. Just stop making excuses. And instead of trying to do all sheets, before you do one podcast, do the first sheet and then do a podcast and then do the next sheet for the next podcast. And maybe over the next 14 podcasts, I will come to have 90% of this packet completed, but that's really the way to go about it. Not try to complete all of the prerequisites before you actually go into doing the thing you want to do. And I can really apply that advice to almost anything. Anyone who's trying to apply for a job, if you're trying to apply for a job out there and you're not applying for certain jobs because you only check off four of the six bullet points, then you are missing out on opportunities. If you are trying to start a blog or you're trying to become a fitness coach or you're trying to do any of this stuff and you think that you don't fulfill X criteria and so you're just not going to do it well, I have news for you. Almost nobody fulfills every single criteria and you only earn that criteria by actually doing the thing. Item number two. Item number two is something really cool that happened to me over the past week. And 
it's kind of part of what I talked about in episode number two, which was about opportunity. So the course that I'm working to build, the Cube to Coach course, my official responsibilities are really not that big. It's really just to do filming and to do the technical backend. But I wanted to see if there was other opportunities for me while working along with that project. I know that the guy that I'm working with has a big podcast audience, and I know that he has a brand, and I know that he has a platform to promote things. So I started to look at that and think about how I might be able to work my own skill set into something that both improves the product that we're working on and that can leverage the skills that he has that can help both of us. And what I came up with was this podcast, at least part of what I came up with was this podcast. And I just kind of got started on it without really asking him. I mean, we, I had some very preliminary stuff, but I, I just kind of started it. And then we met to do some filming and we got to talking and you know, he said, hey, why don't you start a podcast about this? And, and the idea that I had already kind of looked to expand my opportunity and then gotten started really without without being told, I think that was a really big win for me. And the fact that I could say, oh yeah, like I already know about that app. I already know about the Anchor FM app and I already have a podcast up on there and you can already listen to them. Like I'm all in and I'm already bought into doing this. That was a really cool thing, both for me and I'm sure it was cool for him. And it makes him realize that I'm not just trying to get told what to do. I'm trying to find ways to grow. And everyone wants to be around people who are trying to find ways to grow. Nobody wants to be around people who aren't trying to grow. And that's what you want people to see in you. You want people to see that you are someone who is going to contribute outside of the realm of what they ask you to do. So just seeing that episode, episode number two on opportunity, that kind of came alive and manifested itself in my actual life. And that was just a really interesting thing to see. And the third thing, which is actually such a cool thing, is that uh, someone actually listened to this podcast. I was at a party and I saw a bunch of old friends and shout out to the old friend who actually brought this up. I'm not going to dox you on the podcast, but props. Just the idea that someone is actually listening to it makes me want to work to improve it a lot. I was almost like embarrassed to have people listen to it the first couple episodes. Now that I know that it's kind of out there, it's kind of like a, well, screw it. I've Now I have no choice. Now I have to go and improve the product and continue to evolve this. And that was just, I, I was super scared. I was super nervous to give it to anybody to listen to. And now it's like, well, why people are supposed to listen to it. Uh, but overcoming that little kind of resistance to having other people see your work is something that was a really hard thing for me. And it's starting to, I'm starting to get past that now. But it's only because people are, are, are mentioning it. And it wasn't, there was no compliment on the quality of it. It was just, it was just the fact that someone is listening. So those are my three things. And now that that's done, let's get over to the uncertainty. Uncertainty. You absolutely need this in your path to entrepreneurship. And it's because the, the nature of being an entrepreneur just is far more uncertain than being employed. So the first thing I'm going to do is talk about what I mean by uncertainty. There's 
two very specific things that I mean when I talk about certainty in your life and how it relates to being a salaried employee. So I'm gonna go about and define those and I'm gonna talk about why you actually need to get rid of this stuff when you're an entrepreneur and then I'm gonna go step by step in how to create and actually get rid of your certainty and create uncertainty, engineer your own uncertainty. When I talk about certainty, I wanna talk about it on two different levels. The first level is the daily level. So what you'll find when you're a salaried employee is that you are generally delivered tasks to do. You have a job description and it is really very easy to understand if you are operating within your job description or not. So I can go into my engineering job and every two weeks we have a meeting and somebody sits there and says, these are the tickets, the bugs, the features that you need to add. And as long as I know that I'm working on those things that someone else defined for me, then I'm fine. I have the certainty that I'm in the moment working on the right thing. I can have some certainty that whatever I'm doing is going to contribute to the final product. And how that contribution actually happens isn't really part of my job to define. Right, so I, I don't really get to go and explore and figure out what needs to be done in order to make a successful product. For me, I just get the requirements delivered and then I go out and do them. And I imagine that most salaried jobs are kind of like that. There's some other department that figure out, figures out what you need to do. You focus on your very specific job and because you can do that, you kind of have to, all of the responsibility to figure out what that job should be kind of gets offloaded to someone else. So that's the first version of certainty that you have to be ready to lose when you're leaving a salaried job. As the entrepreneur, you have to be able to define the tasks that are going to make your product better. And you have to be able to prioritize those. And that's a very hard thing to do when you're used to someone else prioritizing it. It actually causes a lot of uncertainty at first because you haven't done it before. You're not really sure how to do it the best way. You'll hit resistance when you try to do this. It will be difficult. So you have to engineer situations that force you to face that uncertainty and overcome it. And that's what I'm gonna talk about later. The second version of certainty, and I call this macro certainty, is that when I think about going into work every day and doing the things that I have to do to do my job, I'm certain that it's going to lead me to the vision that my company has for me. The macro version of certainty kind of requires that the vision of the person we're talking about is matching to their company's vision of themselves. So when I think about, I mean, if you're working as a salaried worker, then your vision for your future self probably matches your company's vision for your future self. Or else it would be really strange to be working there Right, so it's like you either know that the visions match or you just haven't spent any time to think about what your own vision might be. And those are like two different cases, but there's, there's still ways how you can kind of end up uh, treading along the path towards whatever the company's vision for you is. And so that's kind of what the macro certainty is, which is like, is what I'm doing in general leading me towards the vision for the future? If you don't really address that vision and you never take time to think about it, 
and you stick with what I have now come to understand as matching your own vision to the company's vision for you in, instead of the opposite, instead of setting your own vision and then finding something that satisfies those requirements. If you do that, then you're going to have a lot of what I would call macro certainty. You're gonna have a lot of certainty that what you're doing is leading you towards the end goal. And that's because everyone's incentive structures in the company are aligned to bring you towards that vision for your future. So if you don't work hard to really think about where you want to go long-term, then what's going to happen is just the inertia of everyone else's incentive structure is just going to take you along with it. And it's going to drive you instead of towards your own thing, towards whatever the company is defining your future as. And that's why you can have huge macro certainty in a salaried job, because you know that the overall incentive structure that exists within the company is almost like guaranteed to bring you there. You, you don't even have to think about whether or not like what you're doing is going to take you there. Because if you start to deviate too much, then people are going to rail you in and, and people are going to say, Hey, no, like you don't go that way. Like you want to, you want to, this is where you want to go. You want to be building your career here. And in order to do those things, these are the constraints you need to operate within. And it, so, so that type of certainty is so easy to have when you're a salaried employee and it's super difficult to get out of that comfort zone. That's how people just open their eyes one day and realize that they're 45 years old and working an unfulfilling job as a middle manager at some company. Because what they did was they just let the inertia of the company and the allure of the next promotion, they just let that drag them along into the role that the organization needed fulfilled. Whatever the reason was, they didn't feel strongly enough that they wanted to go do something else. So whatever the company wanted is just good enough. It's like, if you don't care, then why not just do what the company wants? So those are the two types of certainty that I want to talk about today. And you might be asking the question like, wow, both all of those things sound awesome. Like, why do, would I ever want to get rid of that? And well, the answer is, if you don't want to get rid of that, then you shouldn't try to be an entrepreneur because to try to start your own business or just get out of the salaried employee mindset, you have to have uncertainty in these areas. And that's what I'm gonna talk about next, is why you can't operate in this safe space of certainty if you want to grow into an entrepreneurial mindset. So let's talk about the daily certainty first, the micro certainty. Why can't you operate as an entrepreneur with the same amount of daily certainty that you do as a salaried employee? Well, remember what we're actually calling this micro or daily certainty, which is that most of the time the tasks that you do are actually going to be defined by someone else. And you're at least going to get paid for it, right? So if the goal is really to just be working for money, then you are certain that no matter, as long as you're doing your job, then even if your work doesn't contribute to the product, you're still going to get paid. When you're an entrepreneur, you don't really have this and you, and you can't operate that way. So especially if you're just starting out, if you are just starting out and you refuse to do anything 
unless you know it will make you money or you know it's going to build your product or you know it's going to be used in your final product, then you're really gonna be stuck. You're gonna be stuck in this situation where you aren't sure what is actually going to work. And instead of just trying a whole bunch of stuff and failing a whole bunch of times until you figure out something that works, you're just gonna sit around and mull a bunch of options and try to figure out which one has the 100% chance of succeeding. And doing that is just a recipe to never even start. So the reason you need this type of uncertainty when you're starting out is that you just don't know what is going to pay off. And this is just a really hard concept to get used to as an engineer. Engineers have this tendency to want to optimize everything and to never want to waste resources. And after all, you're literally trained to never waste resources and, and to always optimize. So going home and then doing something that you know is probably gonna fail, like you have to fail nine times and then succeed the 10th, but you have to convince yourself to work hard and become devoted at failing those nine times and making sure that you learn from it. You're gonna be uncertain about the outcome when you start to work on things, and it's absolutely necessary. Even if you're finding it really hard to sit down and actually work on something that you aren't sure if it's going to succeed or fail, you still have to do it. And you have to get comfortable doing it. One example is th this podcast, actually. Right now, I am at 12, two episodes and 12 total listens. And I know a couple of them are my girlfriend, and then probably more than half of them are just me testing it out on different platforms. So it's really hard to sit down and say, I'm gonna spend however many hours making this podcast because I don't really know if this is ever gonna become a real product. But because I'm focused on the process of learning how to make a better podcast, and I have some faith that eventually it's going to grow, it makes it a little bit easier. But it's still like hard in my head to convince myself that it's even worth it. But without uh, coming to accept that uncertainty, then I would have never done anything. If I had just waited until I knew that a podcast would guarantee me a return on investment, then I would never start one, ever. Because you have to build something before you see the opportunities that it's going to bring you. That's why you need the micro uncertainty. Now let's talk about the macro. The macro uncertainty is kind of different and creating macro uncertainty is much more related to when you start to become an entrepreneur or when you develop your first vision for your own future and try to like detach from that vision that you had with your company. So when you first understand that like your company has this vision for your future and without defining anything yourself, you're just going to get dragged along by inertia towards that vision, all of a sudden you are faced with a bunch of questions, which is, what is my vision for the future? Right, that, that's the first huge one. And then, uh, and then what things can I do to bring me closer to that vision? That's the immediate 
immediate follow-on question. And if you haven't done that exercise before, then that is an incredible, those are incredibly difficult questions. Those are questions that I'm like piecing together in my life right now. And it's taking me like hours and hours of brainstorming and whiteboarding. And it's because I've never done this before. So when I talk about creating the macro uncertainty, you need to create situations in which you can do those planning processes and force yourself into those uncomfortable situations. Once you've done it a few times, then going back and doing vision casting and figuring out how to align your life to get to a certain point, that becomes a little bit less uncertain, if you will, and so maybe a little less relevant, but at least for the audience that I'm talking to, creating this type of macro, this type of macro uncertainty is going to exist once you start to do your own vision casting. So those are kind of the reasons why you need to have both of these uncertainties in your life. Now I talked about you know what those uncertainties are and why they're there in the first section, then I talk about, okay, this, this is why you need to get these uncertainties. So now I'm gonna talk about some techniques to create that uncertainty because you can create that. There are repeatable methods that you can use to set up situations that create that uncertainty. It's almost like you're, engineer, you're engineering those situations. So let's talk about that. So the first actionable step that you need to take is that you need to understand when you're facing your own internal resistance. And what that refers to is this idea that when you have to do something that gets you out of your comfort zone, all of a sudden there's a whole lot of other things that seem more important. So it might be more important to clean your mirror in your bathroom or to vacuum between the couch or something like that. Things that aren't really that time pressing become super important because your mind is subconsciously thinking of reasons to avoid the discomfort. And this is what it is called internal resistance. Recognizing that internal resistance and then being able to understand that you need to expend energy and conscious effort to counteract that internal resistance is the very first step that you need to take. So step one, recognize internal resistance. The second thing that you need to be doing is finding value in the process of the task that you're doing instead of value in the end result. Let's take this podcast as an example. Before I sit down to start recording the podcast, I actually think about the value that I'm going to get from doing it. I still face a lot of internal resistance when I go to record this. So I actually have to do this exercise every time I go to work on the podcast. The type of value that I focus on isn't transactional. It's not like your employer paying you X amount of dollars to complete task Y. The value that I see that I'm getting from it is that I'm going to learn how to produce a better podcast during the process of making this. For example, there's now an actual introduction to this podcast. In episode two, there wasn't. I can see that there is tangible improvement between episodes. That tangible improvement is the payoff. I have to really focus on seeing it that way. The reason is that I have no real way to know if this is the right task to be doing today. I don't have any one person that's just assigning me this task and is telling me this is what needs to be done. 
And I can't really measure the value of doing this in monetary terms because monetary terms don't exist in this project. It's not making any money. So I have to find some other way to measure value and trust that eventually my skill set will grow enough to move on to the next step. One thing that really helps here is to actually write down the value that you think you're going to get. I struggled to journal for a long time. Part of the reason was that I didn't really think that I would go back and read it. I couldn't imagine myself going back and spending an hour or two to read my old journals. And the other reason was that I just kind of felt silly. I imagined somebody else reading it and it, and it felt really silly to me. The truth is that I, I was still focusing on the wrong thing. You see, it's not important that someone, whether it's you or someone else, actually reads it at the end. But when you write, you actually verbalize the thoughts and it, it forces you to construct a complete sentence and to put that down on the paper. So if you're having trouble with the uncertainty that comes along with doing a task that you don't know if you're going to pay off, then try this exercise. Think about what you're going to learn during the process of completing that task. Then write that thing down. Once you learn that thing from doing the task, you start to see a payoff. So it's kind of a way to trick you into believing that this thing is actually a means to some end. And of course, the task is the means to the end, but it's not apparently obvious to you what it is, so you can create some end or view the end in a different way to rationalize doing the task to yourself. So that's what I am normally doing. I will sit down and before I start the podcast, I would say this is the improvement that I want to see when I do this episode. And then I will really focus on doing that thing as well as I can to improve the podcast. So number two, focused on the value that you achieve while going through the process of doing the thing that you're doing, not on the end result. Try to identify that value before you hit your zone of discomfort. And when you identify it, write it down. Write it down so you remember it and write it down so it's visible to you and so that you have to formalize that thought. Just thinking it isn't enough. You have to get it on paper. Number three, and this is the final one because I'm running a little short on time here. Number three is planning. So every week on Sunday night, I sit down and spend about 45 minutes just looking over my week and trying to plan out the things I want to accomplish. First step is just to do this, right? So for the first 30 years of my life, I never did this. I just kind of went with the flow. If you sit down and you identify what you want to accomplish in a specific period of time, then it becomes much easier to plan out your week and how you're going to attack those items. And when you're making this plan, purposely plan things that get you out of your comfort zone. This is how you engineer this type of uncertainty. If you just try to generate it on a whim, it's going to be way harder. If you sit down and think about what is going to make you uncomfortable and then make an actual plan to go and do that, then it's going to be way easier and you're way less likely to get overcome by that resistance that will normally stop you when you're doing something that's out of your comfort zone. 
I normally call this sprint planning because in software we do this every two weeks. We sit down and we decide what our highest priority thing is and what we're going to do. I do it every one week for my own life. So it's just a weekly plan. So number three, consciously plan times to get uncomfortable. So those are the three steps. First, understand when you are facing your own internal resistance. Two, find value in the process so that you can rationalize doing things that make you uncomfortable a little bit easier. Number three, purposely plan times in your week to attack things that get you outside of your comfort zone. Three easy steps that I'm using almost every day to try to get myself to produce just one more podcast episode. Each week, just one more, one foot in front of the other, just to get something out there. So if you're still with me, then thanks for listening all the way through. I really do appreciate whatever time that people give me here. Any type of feedback is awesome. If you're listening, you probably know where to reach me. If not, then you can reach me through my website, youcan'ttellmehowtolive.com. Next week, I'm going to have an awesome episode about how to keep up momentum. I'm going to be going to Mexico on Wednesday and coming back Sunday. And my podcast goes up on Monday mornings. I've got three podcasts up already. So I've got to figure out how I'm going to get up a fourth and not lose the momentum I've already created while I'm on vacation. So have a great week and stay tuned.